0: We're gonna be looking today at uh, 2 Corinthians 5, verses one through five. And if you wanna follow along, that'd be terrific. I'm gonna be reading to you from the English, uh, New English version. And so um, starting with 2 Corinthians 5, one through five. Before we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling. If indeed by putting it on, we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we have been unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. Uh, Before we get started, I'd just like to open with a word of prayer, as I would ask for the Lord to to give us uh, an understanding of his word this afternoon. Let's let's pray together. Lord, we just pause to thank you for what has been accomplished uh, through this media. So thankful for Matt and Jeff and Steve and Paul yesterday just sharing these thoughts uh, with our church family and while we are separated because of the, um, the shutdown we're just asking Lord that we just stay closer to you and in thought and prayer certainly being close to one another. Give us a clear understanding of what you want us to find in this passage today and may it be the very thing that not only guides us through the day but in many ways will shape us to be more like Christ in whose name we pray, amen. Well, today's passage, it really refers back to so much of what we've already studied in chapter 14. And Pastor Matt specifically pointed out, uh, referring to a number of times through the, even the beginning of the study, uh, why Paul and uh, his partners in ministry were so uh, willing to endure all that they endured, the beatings, the shipwrecks, the imprisonment, all the things that came their way for the sake of the gospel. It was what he believed, as Matt pointed out to us a couple of days ago. Paul believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul believed that eternal life is to be found in Christ and Christ alone and that there is going to be a general resurrection and that is the second coming of our Lord and our Savior Jesus. These, this was the very thing. It was a it was a fact. It was it was an historical event. It was a it was a prophetic uh, occurrence, and and Paul bought into it. He he witnessed it. He he recognized uh, it being acted out in his in his own life, and so he he clung to it as being the reason he did all that he did for the sake of the gospel. Our passage this afternoon begins with three words, and it just simply reads, "For we know." Now, those three words in themselves can simply serve as kind of, again, a reference back to what we've already talked about over the last several days or over what Paul has already written in this letter. But I I want us to consider it to be more than just a bridge between what has been written and what we are to soon uh, uncover in, in Paul's letter here. Occasionally, I use uh, Barnes Notes, which is a commentary that uh, I apply sometimes to my studies in preparation for sermons. And uh, he, he makes an interesting point and in many ways is accenting the very thing that uh, Pastor Matt has said in, the, in his past presentations. And I quote from Barnes Notes. He says, for we know, those three words, for we know, Paul is giving a reason why he and his fellow laborers do not become weary and faint in their work. The reason was that they knew that even if their body should die, they had an inheritance reserved for them in heaven. The expression, we know, is in a language that is strong and is unwavering in assurance. They had no doubt on this subject, unquote. Such certainty, I believe, should be a characteristic in our own faith. We should know <laughs> What we believe, what we trust, what we act upon is truth. The very fact that everything that we believe as Christians rests on the fact of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that Jesus lived among men, that he died, that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead. He was victorious over the grave. He he defeated death itself through the power of the resurrection. And in all that is also the promise of him coming again for the general resurrection for all those who profess a belief in the risen Lord. Knowing and believing in the resurrection of Jesus, one is able to endure the hardships and the burdens that can steal life itself away from not just the believer, but for mankind itself. He writes of this tent. He refers to it as an earthly home that will be destroyed. That's primarily a reference to this body of ours, this temporal t- uh, uh, jar of clay, as it was referred to uh, in the past. Um, it means that our life is ebbing away. It means it is temporal. It means that we're gonna wear out. It means that we have an expiration date. And And in spite of that, God is busy Replacing what this is with what is to be, and that is building a building from God that is eternal. God is making something that is going to replace this which is temporary with something that is eternal. And so as we suffer through these earthly uh, experiences, these, these groanings, these burns of life, as sin itself has entered into our lives, and has caused all these, these aches and, and pains and hurts and sorrows. As sin is what's behind all the misery in this world today. We are going to be reclothed. Uh, sin itself, if you think of the garden uh, when that first sin was committed, what happened? The nakedness of Adam and Eve was exposed, they were standing bare before God. They had nothing they could hide. And, and, and then it's the same for us. It's our sins that just uh, removes from us any, anything that can hide the, the guilt and the sin that's within. Um, sin separates us from God, and, and sin is the, the cloak of shame and of guilt. But what Paul is talking about here is not simply that to be stripped away, but that that we can be clothed with something else. And that is the righteousness that's found in Jesus Christ. The righteousness that's going to cover these sins. The righteousness that gives us the ability to approach God who is perfect. And so we take on this this cloth of righteousness that's found only in Christ so that we can endure all the thing that's going on in life in faith that we have in the one who has gone before us, Jesus himself. And I love this. This, this, this righteousness that we take on in the name of Jesus enables us to recognize that even in our, our mortal state, that life is promised. Paul puts it this way, that, that the mortality is swallowed up by life. We as Christians find ourselves maybe uh, a bit uh, uncomfortable in this world because the world isn't providing for us really what we know we need. Or we're not finding the fullness of pleasures in this world that we would have expected. This world comes up short in giving us really what our heart desires. And where does that come from? Well, it's a heart after God. It's a a heart for Christ. It in some ways uh, uh, causes us to be uh, distant from our world. Uh, To say it better than I can say it myself, I want to use a quote from C.S. Lewis In his book, Mere Christianity, it might explain where we are in relationship to our world and where we are to be. He writes this, and I quote, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not escapism, but one of the things that a Christian is meant to do. It is, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it does not mean that we are to leave this present world as it is. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. This this brings to mind one of those nuggets in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says to to those who had gathered for his teaching, he said, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Everything that we need is found in the Lord, found in God, found in Jesus Christ. And as we pursue the things of the kingdom of God and as we pursue righteousness, that's what we need. And that's what will sustain us in this world that is so troubled and surrounds us day after day. When serving as pastor at the Village Church at the Advent Christian Village, funerals were very much a part of our ministry. But it's a retirement community, and, and people would uh, come there to, to live out their fall and winter seasons of life. One of the hardest things that I had to do was to minister to a family where there was no faith at all. And the people who would come to the village, I mean, even believers who found themselves in Christ, and we would be addressing the... They're passing and and a family assembles, symbols. And they have no hope. They they have nothing. And as as certain as the faith of the deceased may be, is trying to address that family with the hope that we have in Jesus Christ was, was such a troubling concern because in many ways insulated them from anything that was holding really a promise or something beyond this life that had just been experienced, or to get them through this most difficult time in their own lives. Such a stark contrast of when we would have a memorial service or a funeral for someone who was a believer, and their families had also embraced the face totally. Even in the, the shadows of sorrow and, and in the depths of grief, there was almost an element of celebration because we knew that this was not the end. We knew that as there has been that opportunity to live life for Christ, that even though death came upon the one who loved Jesus, as as Paul is writing right here, what is mortal would be swallowed up by life, life found only in Jesus Christ. There's a parallel text to all this that I think is, is helpful to kind of sum it up to understand maybe what Paul is saying Uh, and and I'm struggling to convey, it's found in in, uh, Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21. Listen to this. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his own glorious body by the power that enables him to subdue all things unto himself, What a tremendous promise and what a hope that we have in Christ. For those who don't know, who have rejected the truth truth of the resurrection of Jesus, for those who have no desire to pursue what Jesus is promising, the sad thing is that there is no relief for them from this burdensome life. And what is even more sad, that there is nothing left for them as this life passes. Remembering what our New Zealand brother, Paul Goble shared with us yesterday. Two main points. We are not to despair. As believers in Jesus Christ, we are not to despair. And what we've seen is temporary. And God is making something that's much more permanent, everlasting, eternal. I can recall so many times standing at the gravesite and, and, and speaking the words of promise and hope that, Paul had had penned for the letters of the early church to the letters letters to the early church. And hoping somehow it would penetrate the hearts of those who may have never heard them before. But there, there was a different uh, kind of um, experience when I would stand there with a the family that was saying goodbye to a loved one. And also cling to the love that they have for Jesus Christ to read a passage of Scripture that held this truth of life after death, of a wholeness in Jesus. It was to the point I almost wanted to shout it out because it was such a powerful truth and something that we need to cling to in those darkest and most difficult times of life when we deal with the enemy, death itself. I want to read to you one of those passages that I've I've said, I've spoken over so many times. So many graves. <clears throat> and I think it's a promise that just is rich with uh, all the good things that God has in store for us. First Corinthians 15, 50 through 58. I tell you this brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, But we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the sound of the last trumpet. And when the trumpet will sound, the dead in Christ shall be raised. The dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For the perishable body will put on imperishable, and the mortal body will put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal body puts on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Listen to this: Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O grave, where is your sting? And the sting of death is sin, and the, and the sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Such a rich, rich promise, such a great hope, something to cling to as we go through this, this burdensome time of life. Verse 5 brings us to the conclusion of our passage of Swamp this afternoon. And it simply reads this way. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God. Who has given us the spirit as a guarantee I like guarantees I'm not interested in limited warranties I'm not even interested in an extended 90-day guarantee I want to guarantee that whatever I have received lasts my lifetime and that's exactly what Paul is talking about here Paul is declaring that as God has carried us through this burdensome time as we bear all those things that come upon us in these earthly struggles He is preparing us. God is preparing us for something far better than anything that we've ever experienced before. Jesus, in the upper room with his disciples, as he had to confront them with the reality that he was leaving, he was basically preparing himself for the cross, for death, for burial, for a separation from those whom he loved. And Jesus said this to his disciples, and I'd leave the messages for us today as well. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I come to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself. And there, where I am, you will be also. These are the very words that Jesus spoke to his disciples, promised to them as he was getting ready to leave them, saying that he's coming back. This is the guarantee. In, in, In that same setting, as Jesus is speaking to his disciples, he speaks of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the one Jesus calls the helper, the one who is the spirit of truth, the guide to all truth, the one who teaches all things. That's what's promised to us. That's the guarantee. We have the one who speaks the truth. We have the one who, who points to Christ, the one who is going to help us through this temporal life and lead us to the place of where we are be the, to be the recipients of that life that is everlasting. I want to take you back to those first three words that we looked at earlier uh, as we began this study. For we know is how it has began. Those three words in a very similar way were were spoken by someone who preceded Paul by hundreds of years. He was a man who understood the meaning of hope. Believe it or not, when you read the book of Job, you will discover that one of the most popular references that's found in that book, that that represents a man who certainly understood this temporal uh, tent this temporal hole, the burdens of life, all that could be lost and all that could be destroyed. He spoke these words, the word that points to hope. Job knew hope. He says, for I know that my Redeemer lives. yet that? For I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, Yes, in my flesh, I will see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold him, and not another. This is what it's all about, this hope that we have in Jesus Christ, that, that again, we are reminded. It's not just about this life, this temporal life, this life of struggles, this, this thing that won't last forever. But what does last forever is what we have found in Christ and Christ alone the one who will take this mortal body and have it swallowed up by the life that he himself projects upon me as he comes again in power and majesty. I just pray that you have the confidence that you can say with all certainty, I know that my Redeemer liveth. Have a blessed afternoon. Have a blessed morning. If you're tuning in from New Zealand, just have a blessed day wherever you are in this world. And claim what is yours in Jesus Christ, whose name we want to glorify through our lives every day.